Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? It's your regular host, Kenny yep. Bomani, back with my guy, Clement Gibson. It's yes, NBA sir. Intel, episode six, and we will be talking about some more NBA topics after we had pretty good rivalry week this past week in the NBA. A lot of interesting games, a lot of interesting uh, conversations and unique matchups, and we're going to dive into the subplots that will kind of talk about those things as well. But before we do all that, Clem. We know who's gonna be in the Super Bowl now. <laughs> Eagles, Chiefs. You got you got half of it right, bro. I got. I did. I did. <laughs> you, got, you got the Chiefs. <laughs> All right, the Vikings. They they do what they were supposed to do. <laughs> but you got the Chiefs. <laughs> Chiefs, Eagles, Super Bowl. First time ever in NFL history, two black quarterbacks will be Ooh. starting the game. That's crazy. That's crazy on Black History Month too, bro. Oof, That's yes. even wilder, bro. Yes. Crazy. Man, how do you feel about this historic moment in time for the black quarterback in the NFL? And you gonna be checking the game out, bro? Like you, you excited oh, about for it? For sure, for sure. Okay. I was I was tapped in all weekend with the uh AFC <laughs> NFC championship games. Um man, that that I don't even want to get into the whole Bengal situation and that that uh <laughs> roughing the passer call. Like obviously you have to call it, but yeah, discipline, man, discipline, because that yeah. that really sold the game right there. But um, I'm gonna have to go with the Chiefs. I just, I mean, obviously, I picked them to win from the jump, but I don't even feel like that impressive by it because the Chiefs are kind of like the fan favorites anyway. So you know, but it would be nice to see the Eagles win because obviously, Kobe was a uh, Eagles fan. So uh, last time they won a championship. He was watching, and they had, like, a good moment with his daughter and everything. So it'd be cool to see, like, the Bryant family celebrating, um, you know, after the fact. But uh, I would say the Chiefs are going to win. That, that That's what I put my money at. Yeah, man. Um, by the way, our guy Ace, huge Eagle fan, um, he was pretty excited in the chat. He thinks mm-hmm. Eagles going to win 41-24 over the Chiefs. For me personally – um, this was the matchup as the playoffs went on. I first saw um, when it comes mm-hmm. to my playoff predictions, I'm 11 and one. Only got one prediction. I've wrong. been seeing you. I've yeah, been bro. seeing you. I, I ain't been missing. Um, yeah. And I think, and I think the key to really deciding a lot of these matchups is just understanding coming in what teams do well, what they don't. And we all know in the playoffs, NBA too, it's matchups. It really is. Um, and so coming in, I know Philadelphia against the Niners had that dominant front line. They controlled the game from there. And then Kansas City, I was like, well, if Mahomes out there, I don't care if he got one leg. Right. You know, if he's 70%, that's good enough. He's going to figure out and that's good enough. They got two weeks off. That gives enough time for Mahomes to get a little better, for Hurst to get a little better, for both to recover from their injuries. I like the Chiefs as well. Um, I know you said they're the fan favorites. They're really not, bro. Like, you know how it goes when you on top. Everybody wants you to fall down. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of. Journalists on Twitter really commenting about how the game was rigged. You know, Bengals Chiefs, Bengals should have won. Yeah, I think a lot it. of that, a lot of that. I think a lot of that is just like Cass is tired of seeing the Chiefs' success, and I don't think they want Mahomes to threaten Brady because if Mahomes get two rings, bro, like two Super Bowl rings at twenty seven, I don't know if he's gonna get seven like Tom, but in a five year yeah. span, well, you could say he's had the best five year run at the quarterback position ever. First five years starting, nobody's done that. Yeah. So a lot riding, but it's a historic moment for the black quarterback. Everybody knows how much the black quarterback has been marginalized in the NFL. So that's a great storyline mm-hmm. in itself. I'm a rock with the Chiefs, um, but it's another game. It could go either way. And I think it'll be a pretty good matchup as well. So can't wait for that to tune, you know, for that to happen. Um, we'll have a guest tomorrow. He's a Chiefs fan. We're going to talk about the whole dynamics. We'll have a little NFL podcast segment there. But now it's time to talk about okay. hoops. Evaluating yep, yep. the NBA MVP race. So, Clem, so far, it's safe to say that these four individuals are the front runners in the race. You got Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, and Tatum. And we've mm-hmm. kind of reached that midway point in the year. We're coming closer to all-star break. And where do you rank these guys, bro, in the hierarchy um, in your eyes? Because for me personally, it really – it just comes down to who you favor, who you like. 
it might even come down to who had the best week, who had the best two weeks, yeah. the best month. But when it comes from a hierarchy standpoint for you and those four individuals, who's leading the totem pole at the MVP race? And then really just go from there. Yeah. So um, I have that exact order. Um, no surprise there. Um, I'll, I'd love to check out the uh, NBA MVP award tracker on basketball reference just to see where they have everything cased. And they surprisingly have Luca third still um, over Giannis, which is interesting because he's one of the only ones on that list with a barely over 500 record. Um, him and SGA are both on that list. SGA's eight, Luca's third. Um, I don't have him on my list. Um, I, I kind of cut it to three because I just think Tatum is like, at, he's in a different, stratosphere right now like lower than these top three guys um i think tatum is just now entering his prime whereas these guys are in their smack dead prime in that late uh 20s um age range but at the top obviously Jokic, man and we talked about this earlier in the season i think there's you know two components that really matter when you talk about who's going to win mvp or not and I mean, one of the things is you got to do something new. You got to do something like you didn't do before. Um, and for that main reason, I think Jokic is going to win it. Not only is he on the team, the best team in the West, which is new. I don't think they've ever been number one in the West before. So that's a new thing for them. Um, and then he's averaging 25, 11, and 10, which is a triple-double. Um, we haven't seen that since for us, I believe. Um, Luke has been close a couple of these years, but not only is he doing that, but he's doing a 40% three-point shooting, which is absurd. Um, so I think he has two new things on, on top of everything he's just done pretty amazing all year. And I think this narrative has been, you know, he can't win three in a row because we haven't seen it done since Larry Bird and Bird was already in the finals and winning championships when he did it. So like Jokic hasn't, he's not he's not respected enough to be on that platform, but I think he's having the type of year that we can't deny the greatness. Like it's a regular season award. Um, that's why to me, I've always looked at um, finals MVP over regular season MVP, just because I think that it's, it tells who's the better player more times than not, but we've seen in both cases, finals MVP and regular season MVP where um, the winner is a little bit questionable, but Nevertheless, I think Jokic is the guy, uh, despite Embiid's seven-game winning streak. Um, so I'll jump into him next. I actually have him third behind Giannis. Um, everybody's jumping on the Embiid bandwagon right now. Uh, <laughs> let me remind y'all, he's, he's missed 14 games, okay? And I know me and you had a back and forth about who's to start in the All-Star game. You were going with KD. Yeah. Um, I was going with Embiid, and I'm going to give you your props, you know, right now. I'll tell you, birthday. <laughs> He's right. Um, he, even though he is leading the league in scoring, he did miss 14 games. And if he continues to go at this rate, he's going to play 59 games, which is going to put him out of the race for MVP. So ultimately, that's why I don't think he's going to win it. Um, and then on top of that, he's, he's playing well, but he's not doing anything new. Like the Sixers were pretty good last year with, you know, um, throughout the entire season, they kind of slumped a little bit at the end. But um, we've seen the Sixers as the number one seed before. We've seen him miss games. We've seen him lead the league in scoring. So nothing he's doing now is new for anybody to be like, oh, okay, like he should be the MVP only thing he really has going for him is like the narrative that he's been cheated out the last two years. Um, I was in Philly this past weekend and I had some conversations about that. Uh, delusional fans sometimes <laughs> and it's crazy. Uh, but then lastly, Giannis, I have him second, um, 32 and 12. Still nothing new per se. Like they're still, you know, one of the top teams in the East. I think they're tied for second right now with Philly. Um, and he's sneakily missed 11 games already this year. Um, and the last time he won MVP, he won 63 games. So he's right in that range. He's trending to about, he's trending for about 64 games. Um, if he keeps up with this pace. So he's, and he just put up a 50 burger, you know, Middleton's just not getting back. I think his best bet is for Middleton to help him 
get to that number one seed. And then if they blow away to close the season as a number one seed, I think you can have a legitimate argument. But if if Jokic averages a triple double and they're number one in the West, it's it's over. It he's gonna get his third. But that's yeah, how I feel about the top three. Yeah, and I, I'm agree with you, bro. Like I think it's Jokic's to lose. I mean, he's averaging 25, 10.9, 9.9, basically a triple double. If you round all that up, um, and best team in the West this season for the Nuggets, like you said, they've never done that before. He's just playing. He's been playing like the best player in bas- basketball for a while, um, and he can affect the game in so many ways. He can give you 35. He can give you 15, 17, and 15, and you might look at the box score and be like, all right, he just had 15 points, but he's affecting the game on the glass, playmaking. They run their offense through him to the point where he's made the team so much better that now Denver's thinking down the line. They're like, okay, we have a championship caliber team. Let's make sure at the trade deadline we build a roster around Jokic that's conducive for defense and maybe even more shooting, which is why for some odd reason, Bones Highland is on the trading block. But that's another topic for another day. Giannis, uh, he, look, had the 50-burger against the Pelicans. Pelicans are struggling right now, but it's 50. It was efficient 50. He's giving you 31, 12, and 5 on 53.4% shooting. But he's missed 17 games this year. I've never seen Giannis miss this many games in his prime. And I think a lot of it has to do with Milwaukee managing his um, injuries because he played internationally before the season. So he played international basketball combined with playoff basketball, played a little bit in the preseason. And so it seems like Milwaukee's taking the long-term approach as well, which is we don't want to wear out our superstar. We're going to prioritize him getting in a rhythm enough for the playoffs instead of focusing on him building up a regular season rapport to get to MVP. So there's that. Um, And Embiid, you brought it up as well. He just has not played enough games, which is why he's played 36 games. So he leads the league in scoring, but I can't really take his league-leading scoring average as serious as a Luka or a SGA because those guys have played like 12 more games than him, and he's played 36. That's a huge deal. Now, he dropped 47 against Jokic, 58% from the field, made four threes. That's just a reminder of when Embiid is right, he's a top-five talent in basketball. In my opinion, he's the best two-way center in basketball when he's right. And when you have those two things going for you, you always will be in an MVP conversation. You'll always be an all-star. You'll always be an all-NBA guy. It's just what's going to continue to hurt him moving forward in his prime when it comes to getting individual accolades. It's just him staying on the floor. Because if I, I think if he stayed on the floor as much as Jokic, I think he beats out Jokic for one of those MVPs. I think he potentially beats out Absolutely. Jokic for an all-NBA berth. But mm-hmm. since that's not really happening... That's going to always hold him back. And with Tatum, I actually have Tatum behind Jokic and the MVP rates. And the mm-hmm. reason why is because he's playing the games. He's giving you 31-8-4 on 47% shooting, 55% shooting from the two-point line. I get that him playing with Jalen Brown is going to forever hurt him in terms of getting that MVP race because there's been times throughout this season where Tatum just doesn't have it and Jalen Brown has been able to pick up the slack. But Boston yeah. has the best record in basketball. Tatum's the best player on the best team. He's giving you 30 a game. He's giving you something on the class. He's become a better playmaker. He's become more of a defined two-way wing. I feel like because of that, he's second. So I have Jokic, Tatum, Giannis, Embiid, and who did I have? Yeah, those are four. Dark Horse, I feel, would be Ja. But right, I think I for Ja to put, I know. But for Ja to get into the conversation, Memphis has to be the top seed in the West, and they had a horrific West Coast road trip. They didn't win any yeah. of them games. That was horrible for their morale, horrible for his MVP push. And so they got things back together by beating Indiana last night. But for him to kind of be in that top four, Memphis has to make a serious push from now until April to where maybe at the end of the season we're like, dang, standings are kind of close. Memphis is potentially the best team in the West. And so now it creates – a opening for the NBA to be like, you know what? Jokic does have two MVPs. Giannis does have two MVPs. Embiid hasn't played enough. So we can kind of push the narrative of JT or a job. But I think as long as Denver stays top seed, Jokic is going to get that that third MVP. And I kept hearing, bro, voters for T. And I was starting to buy into that 
until I looked and I'm like, man, I don't give yeah. a crap. He's balling. He's a yeah. top five player in the game. In my opinion, this would be his best MVP season out of all, all the others he's had. And you can't deny a man from what he deserves individually just because we're basing off of he got it before. I know they did that to LeBron before. I know they did that to Jordan. Um, we get all that. But in a season like this where everybody's scoring 30, you got to be able to dif- differentiate yourself from the 30 burgers. And he does by averaging a triple-double. And being on the best team in basketball. So I'ma go with Jokic there. Anything else to add? Nope. Said it. Said exactly how I would too, man. Is Jokic just award to lose? And if they don't vote him, honestly, they're hating. They are hating, bro. They are hating. <laughs> and I and, and I know a lot of people don't rock with Jokic. I mean, if there's three things that NBA Twitter don't like, Jokic, <laughs> the Suns, the Grizzlies. I get it. They don't like those guys. The Grizzlies, but, really? Bro, love the Grizzlies. bro, they hate the Grizzlies, right? That's, well, that's, that's because John thing. said what he said. But even before he said what he said, they ha- I, I have never seen an NBA fan base hate on a team that ain't won nothing yet, bro. Like, nothing. They ain't done nothing yet to be hated on. Like, I get people hating on the Warriors. They want a ring. They got the ring. Cool. Get people hating on LeBron. He won. Cool. Get him hating Kobe. Get him hating Michael. They won. Cool. They ain't do nothing yet. So it's unique, unique situation. Another topic for another day. But we got a new topic we're going to dive into here. Is the Wizards, they on the come up? Is D.C. rising? Because right now, Washington's won five straight and are currently the ninth seed in the East, which means they're a play-in team. They're 23 and 26. I know that doesn't sound impressive, Clem. I know, I know your face. I know the vibes. But they are four games back of the Miami Heat in the Southeast Divisional League. So they competing technically to be a top seed in their division. They're in this win streak. They've won four of the recent five road games. They beat the Knicks. Hey, bro, the Knicks are a playoff team. They are. They beat the Mavs with Luka. This is before Luka got hurt, all right? Now, they did beat the Rockets. They trashed. But they did beat the Pelicans with Brandon Ingram back in the lineup. And during that stretch, Bradley Bill's return. He's giving them nice production. Kuzma's taking that. Number two role with Christoph Porzingis being out. That's why they moved on from Rui. And their benches stepped up with Avia. Kendrick Nunn, they got him from the Laker trade. He bought a couple games. And DeLon Wright has really been an unsung hero. When he's played, they're like 12, 15 games above 500. When he hasn't, they're not. Are you buying the Wizards as a play-in team no. this year? You're not doing it. Oh, wait, you okay. said play-in. 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 Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not. You know what? Play that in or could play be, off? That could be another conversation. How about this? They have the Spurs, Pistons, and Blazers as their next three games. By the first day of February, the end of the first day of February, can you see the Wizards being 500 for the first time in a minute? Yeah, I can. Okay. I, I can see that. I, I have them as a play-in team. Um, right. I think... Between the four teams right now, New York, Atlanta, uh, Washington, and, and Chicago, I think they have the second best odds to make the playoffs. However, man, I think it's just like the sad tale of this season. And I hope this isn't, I mean, even last season, but it's just like, I just don't trust the health of these guys. Like, Chris, as we know, has a long history of being injured. I trust Kuz. But Beal, too, like, man, like, he's been having some really bad, soft issue injury uh, with his hamstring. It seems like the past two years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even Book, similar with him, like, they both had some really bad hamstring injuries and they continue to linger. So um, I really question his ability to, you know, help them. And I think the reason why he, they've been winning so much is because he has been back playing and being able to help out um, and lead that team. So um, I think it's a very interesting concept, like how since Cat got hurt, the Wolves have been doing a lot better. Um, And in the same way, I mean, Chris hasn't been out that long, but I think he's been out most of this win streak and they're doing a lot better too. So um, yeah, I I can see them making the play-in for sure. It's just to me, when it comes down to it, 
I think Chicago is going to be more healthy because I trust the Rosenthal. I know he's going to play. Um, and then obviously Vooch is on the contract year. He always plays way better in contract years. <laughs> um, if Levine doesn't get traded, which I don't think will happen, I think he'll he'll be or he'll be there. And then there's a chance Lonzo may come back. Um, so I think Chicago is going to get the seven seed. And then I think. This is where it gets hard because New York has been playing so well. Julius Randle's looking like the old Julius Randle from two years ago. All right. Um, I just don't trust them. I don't trust the Knicks. <laughs> I just don't like. Like I just, I'm not. I'm not fully sold on Randle's reemergence since last year. It was just last year was just. It was hard to not see, especially after. It was like okay. He's playing at a, a good level. Jumps up to this All Star, All NBA guy. Comes down to below All NBA, uh, All All um, an All Star appearance, and then now it's like he's teetering right in between. And Jalen Brunson has been a great addition. Manuel quickly has been playing um, not only good on offense but defense, which I didn't even know he had the capability to have. So. Um, yeah, man, it's it's. I just don't trust them. I think New York is gonna find a way to be out of the playoffs. Um, so that leaves the Hawks and um, Washington. The so I think that's yeah. yeah that's what I, I think that's what it come down to. Um, Trey Young and their team. They've had so much going on internally. I think this might be the year that John Collins actually gets traded. Um, and I would not be surprised if the Wizards beat them. So, but I can see it going either way. But Needless to say, I don't. It's a long season. I don't. I don't think this win streak is is indicative of where they're going to be per se. But um, they're doing well, and I can definitely see them being in that last playing game to get the eight seed. Yeah, I mean, this win streak for them happened at the right time because now you're getting a lot of quality momentum going to the point where you get to have a favorable stretch against the Spurs, the Pistons, and the Blazers. The Spurs and the Pistons are tanking. Now, Pistons are really tanking. The Spurs, Mm -hmm. they tank when they don't play certain guys. When they play certain guys, they look like a 30 to 35 win team. But we all know what the long-term goal is for Pop. Then you have the Blazers. Right, Vic, Vic. Now, then you have the Blazers. And the whole thing with the Blazers is, uh, you know, when Dame's on, they're tough. When he's not on, they're vulnerable. So they have a chance to win those games. And you're 500 before you go on the road to play the Nets. And I think being 500 at this point in the East, considering how much of shuffleboard is going on at that 7 to 10 spot, you have a chance to rise in the rankings to where who knows when it's playing time, you're playing a 7-8 game where you have more room forever because now it's about we have two chances to win one game instead of 9-10 where if we lose, we're out. Um, so there's that. Now, the Knicks, they are seventh. Um, coming into the season, I looked at the Knicks roster and I was like, this roster feels like a 40 win team. And I had the Knicks as outside the playing as well. Um, The Randall emergence is crazy. I didn't really expect it because last year he didn't play particularly well. Um, The New York media and fan base was really ready to push him to the side and disown him completely. So I really thought he would come back this year in his feelings, not really putting in full effort to find a way to finagle his way out of the Big Apple and go elsewhere. But he worked on his craft, and he started to kind of look like how he did the year the Knicks won 48 games and had home court advantage against the Hawks in the playoffs. Um, Brunson's been a revelation for him. I knew Brunson was going to come in and because Brunson's a baller. Um, But you're right. like They don't have the impact guys that Atlanta has, that D.C. has, where, okay, when the going gets tight, we know – Porzingis could go on a run and give you like 10 straight points and give you 30 and 15. We know Trey Young, when he's right and he's getting his buckets efficiently, he can give you a 40 piece. The Knicks, outside of Brunson, do I trust Randall to give me 30 and 15 when I need it? I don't know. You know, I don't don't know if I can legitimately trust that. But DC's in a good spot because they committed a lot of money to two, to really three guys. Brad Beal got paid. Told you guys he was going to get paid. I didn't think it was a great investment, but I knew DC was going to pay him, and they did. They traded for Porzingis a couple years ago. 
And they went out of their way by getting rid of Rui. They're basically telling Kuzma, we don't care that you're going to be a free agent this summer. We're going to resign you. They're committing all of their capital into that core being their foundational piece in the East, which means this year is very important for them to at least make the playoffs. At least. Because if they're able to make the playoffs, now they're able to segue to their fan base. Yo, we're a playoff team right now. If we add a couple of things next year, maybe we could be outside of that play-in mix and maybe be in the hunt with a Cleveland or a Miami to a degree. You know, because I feel like Miami might take that slide, things of that nature. Miami got their stuff together. So I know I said Indiana was better than Miami. Then guess what happened? Halliburton got better. <laughs> and so that, that changed everything. Of course, they're not better than Miami without Halliburton. But DC's in a good spot. I think they're going to be 500. But that Brooklyn stretch on, they play Brooklyn, they at Golden State. That's going to tell a lot, though, about, okay, when the going gets tough against tougher competition, how will they respond? But the crazy thing about all of this is, Porzingis has been their best player this year. And their second best player has been Kyle Kuzma. Bradley Beal, ever since he got the bag, has been MIA. He's either hurt or if he's out there, he's thinking he's Bradley Beal without John Wall a year ago where it's like, yo, the offense runs through you. It doesn't run through Brad anymore. And I got to give the Wizards credit. They could have easily gave Brad the extension and just said, you know what? We'll be like Portland, where for the next few years, We give all this money to Dame, and then we sell to the audience. These complimentary pieces around him are good enough to be a threat, but they're really not because Jeremy Grant's cool, but he's not a reliable 20-point-per-game scorer. Anthony Simons is cool. He's not a a reliable 20-per-game guy. DC has Porzingis. When he's healthy, that's 20 and 10. Kuzma, when he's on, that's almost 20. So now you have two guys that can give you 20 with Beal. And the filler pieces around you, that's a nice squad moving forward that can do some type of damage in the East. And the Wizards in reality, bro, you know this, they're like the Jazz of the East, where they're content, the Pacers, they're another form of the Pacers as well, where they're content just being competitive in the East. And if you want to just be competitive in the East, you need to have a quality core that got at least challenge for some higher upper echelon seeds come playoff time. So that's my stance there. Anything else you want to add? No. Um, I think it'll be exciting to see where these teams fall out and what the trade deadline brings because uh, I think they're going to be one of the teams in the middle of the pack that doesn't make any moves. Yeah, I'm for sure they're not. Look, their move was getting rid of Rui. I think by them getting rid of Rui, they told everybody Kuzma's off the table. They the might deadline. do something with Monte Morris, though, because he hasn't been um, – as big of an impact as I thought. He kind of think he's one of the best backup point guards in the league. So I was pretty surprised when they paid him to be their starting point guard. But um, I think I, I can see him get going somewhere and going back to that backup point guard role. Yeah, Monte may be the move. They gave him the starting role. And I just said, it's been when DeLon Wright's been on the floor, they've been better in comparison yeah. to just Monte being on the floor. So watch out for that. Next topic, the refs versus the NBA. Do we have an issue? You know, so the NBA ref union, they stepped out with a tweeted statement after they robbed LeBron and the Lakers a chance to get game-winning free throws in regulation last weekend versus the Celtics. The specific tweet that the union dropped was, like everyone else, referees make mistakes. We made one at the end of last night's game, and that is gut-wrenching for us. This play will heavily weigh and cause sleepless nights as we strive to be the best referees we can be. Clem, I'm not going to lie. A few years ago, I used to kind of defend the refs. I was like, you know, they're human. They make mistakes. Things happen. But this year, it's been bad. It's been real, real bad. Do we have a legitimate problem on our hands? And if so, what can the league do moving forward? Because I don't really think they can do anything this year. But moving forward in the offseason, what can they do to kind of put some level of culpability on the refs to not royally mess up in live action? Yeah, um, I, I, I started thinking I wanted to spitball some ideas. Um, you know, the NBA is ever changing. Um, we're in a position this league. The three point ball is more um more prevalent than ever. It's a faster up and down game. 
So I thought, what if we add another ref? Mm. Okay. That might be a possibility with all the up and down that's going on with how fast the game is being played. Maybe they're just missing calls because you're we're asking them to do more than they're capable of doing with the speed of the game right now. Now, the rebuttal would be like, okay, well, the game was actually really fast-paced as well in like the 60s and parts of the 70s as well, even in parts of the 80s. Um, and maybe it was an issue. I, I don't, I don't, I don't recall this much being a problem. But I also didn't cover or watch the basketball league in the 80s, so uh, I think that's a possibility. Maybe not as maybe not as logical, but thinking it may be something we could spitball. Um, but I think we are having a, a bit of an issue. Um, and it wasn't the best look that the same ref who um, teed up um, Patrick Beverly is his, I think his wife had tweeted out um, about them being big Celtics fans. And yeah, big, then they pulled big. his record. I think he's 36. They're Celtics are 36 and two when he plays yeah, or when bad. he arrests. Uh, so, <laughs> right. Not a good look, but I mean, we we consistently see this. The game has been changing a lot. I mean, the same thing was going around with Scott Foster and um and Chris Paul and the Rockets um, back in like the late uh, 2010s. It happens, man. Like I think they'll make the mistake, they'll fix it, they'll correct it, they'll you know get new people in there. But the rules are changing a lot, and I think. The way the game is being called is changing way more than it's ever been. Um, I, Darius and I were talking about this on Twitter, and I was saying, like, a lot of the game now is, like, live open gym almost, you know? Like, yeah. There's, I don't know if you've seen the guy Devin the Lab. <laughs> yeah. Been, this, like, calling this, everybody this, out. For like, sure, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's just so much, so many different factors to the game. The carrying, the traveling, the the fouls versus the fouls that aren't being called. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we have an issue. I think it's like a blip. They'll get over it. They'll fix it and move on. But, you know, it happens, I feel like, every five years or so, we get to this pinnacle, and, and they, they, they usually figure it out. So I trust that they'll do the same. Yeah, I kind of look at it like this is dark, but bear with me. It's kind of like police brutality. Like it's always been there, but social media okay. just magnifies it. So refs have been notorious. I'm going off my pops because he used to be a huge bad boy Piston fan back in the day. He talked about how when you went to the garden, the Boston garden, when they were really mm-hmm. good, the refs would swallow their whistles and you wasn't getting no calls. <laughs> when yeah. They were really at their peak. Um, and we know about Scott Foster and, and Tim Donaghy and those guys in the early 2000s and how, um, they went out of their way to not make certain calls. We know the infamous Kings Lakers series. So it's not anything new. I just, the issue with the Boston game last weekend was before the LeBron drive, Jalen went to the rack, got the and one, and they caught a late foul because he got the ticky tack hit. Cool. Mm-hmm. LeBron goes to the rack and he gets hit as well. You got to call that. I, it's yeah. keep the same energy. That's it. They didn't keep the same energy there. Um, and so that's really where the overzealous response from fans started. But also in reality, a, the harsh sense is this. The Lakers are not good. So when you're not a good team, and I know this year because I'm a Saints fan, you don't want the refs to <laughs> dictate certain games that you feel like you can win <laughs> because you already know we can't overcome the refs because we're not good. Like we're yeah. not the KD Warriors, where, ah, oh, refs can just be trash. We'll find a way to win. We're still talented. Um, and in the NBA since this year, you're not Denver. You're not Memphis. Um, you're not Boston. You're not Milwaukee, where the refs can just have a bad half and you still find a way to win. And so that's why LeBron really lost his mind because he knew, yo, if I don't get free throws to end this we're game and we go to game. overtime, we're going to lose. And they lost. <laughs> <laughs> because... Jalen Brown got busy despite his five fouls, and that was a wrap. And so that really is why LeBron lost. And I think that's why Laker fans this year have lost it about a variety of games because they know the West isn't good this year and in totality. And outside of Memphis and Denver, 
that three to 12 spot is separated by like four to five games. So they feel, yo, there were four games this year where the refs took control that we could have won. But in retrospect, by saying that, you're also kind of admitting we're not good enough to overcome bad calls. We need those calls when they happen so we can position ourselves for a W. But in reality, this isn't anything new, Clem. I'm agreeing with you. Bad refereeing has been a thing in the NBA and the NFL for a while. I think what they're probably going to do due to the public outcry, you kind of got to find some guys for missing calls. During the two-minute report, that was cute early. Now it's kind of like your parent coming up to you like, yo, my bad. We couldn't go to Six Flags this summer because I didn't handle my business on my end. But we'll get it next time. I'm like, bro, I'm not trying to hear that. I wanted to go this year. I wanted to go now. (laughs) So you got to find guys. And I heard in soccer uh, internationally, that's what they do. I think that's where I heard like, yo, they mess up. They get fined. And so, but here's the the bad part about that though. If you start finding refs, they really going to call the game tight. They're either going to call the game tight or they're not going to call it tight at all. And then Cats will get upset. Right. Now you and A money. So be careful what you wish for. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Because the league can be like, you know what? All right. If they mess up, we're going to find them. And then now they're going to call every travel. They're going to call every carry. They're going to call every three second. They're going to call every goal. All that's going to get called and Cats really going to lose their mind. You think Steph not getting calls now? He really might not get them. So <laughs> that's that's just the dark reality. There's no true fixing in, in retrospect unless you start getting in people's pockets. When you start getting in people's pockets, then they start trying to do the right thing. But they're not doing it ethically. It's like, I got to protect my bag. Y'all not going to take my coins. I'm going to be on my P's and Q's. But to wrap it all up, hey, at the end of the day, this isn't anything new. That ref having ties with Boston, that's Boston culture in a nutshell. You go in the garden and them dudes are good. You're not getting calls. You're not. And you just going to have to find a way to win. Your thoughts? Uh. I, I I do think it's interesting too because obviously I haven't seen LeBron react that way. Like it was so dramatic. It was it was, it was very extra <laughs> um, since since the uh, the J.R. Smith incident in the finals. Like that's right. what it reminded me of. Like because when I initially saw it before I saw the score, I was like, wait, they didn't lose. They're going to overtime. Um, so I was like, why is he so like upset? But to me. Just like listening to some podcasts, I feel like a lot of teams that are like need to make trades to validate their season and to make the playoffs or to get in the play-in race. Um, I think this is everyone's like last real week or two stretch before stuff gets real. You know, some guys start getting shipped out and they decide like we're either tanking or we're not because the Lakers after this trade deadline. If they don't make any significant trade, I don't see the team getting to where they want to get to. Um, so I think that there may have been some type of either verbal agreement or, you know, nonverbal agreement that if we don't win X amount of games by this time, we're not making any trades with our with our uh, first round picks, which means we're probably not going to make the playoffs, which means LeBron's going to go and see 39-year-old with, what, four years in a row now? Three, four years in a row? with Not making it. Making, not making it'll it. Be, it'll be three, four to the last five, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I think that there's been a little bit of back and forth where it's like, okay, well, if we can win this many games before the trade deadline, then we can, you know, that shows me that, you know, we can be the championship team that we will need, like that will be worth making this trade for. Um, so when you see that despair on Brown like that, and he's crouched over. <laughs> um, <laughs> to me, that's what I thought. I was like, there has to be something. It can't just be about this game. Like it has so to correct. be something bigger on the line that's making him react this like this dramatic. And I agree with you, bro. That really coincides with my statement. Like he understands every game of a magnitude where we're competing with the upper echelon squads is important if we're close and have a chance to win. And I think that makes sense in the context of management is telling them, look, we see in the West, y'all not catching Memphis or Denver. However, 
you could catch Sacramento and everybody at the bottom. I need to see you guys make a push to where maybe around February, you're a ninth or eighth seed in the West. But if you're still 11 or 12, I'm not mortgaging my future to help you, in essence, be a playing squad with the threat of you guys going home and not even make the round of 16. And um, I never really had a problem with Palinka not wanting to trade these picks because LeBron and AD eventually are not going to be there. And so when they're not there, you don't want to go through the rest of the decade without any first round picks to help jumpstart your eventual rebuild. Now, I know people have said you can trade LeBron and AD and get those picks back, and you probably can. But the way the Lakers kind of are right now, we know when LeBron and AD aren't there anymore, they're going to be a pretty bad basketball team. So you're going to need as many first round picks as you can to help fast track your rebuild. Um, The reality of the situation is for LA, um, they're in a tough spot where right now they're playing Brooklyn. LeBron and AD aren't even playing, so they're not going to beat the Nets. They play the Knicks tomorrow. If they don't beat New York, I think it's time for everybody to face the tough reality that, you know what, they might not do anything at the deadline. I think this is just what the team is, and they're just going to have to find a way to figure it out. And it's unfortunate, but you're right. This is around the time. Phoenix is starting to get their act together. Minnesota's starting to get their act together. Golden yeah. State wrote off a couple of wins. LA Clippers. Clippers had a nice little run. Those are four organizations that are realizing, I right, it's just getting real. We need to start making a progressive move towards the top four to five seeds during our playoff run, playoff stretch, pre-playoff stretch, if you might add. And LA's not really doing that right now. Right now, they have a worse record than the Thunder. The Thunder are playing better basketball than them right now. That is a problem if they're trying to do anything at the deadline. So that's just a cold-hearted reality. But LeBron lost his mind. It was tough. It was crazy to see. (laughs) It was meme-worthy. That's going to be in the meme meme Hall of Fame forever. (laughs) But but you're right. Like, dog, there is overtime. But he knew that down, bro. Like, we ain't beat Boston in in an extra period. And they did. So last but not least, we're going to talk about Luka Doncic. He's actually playing tonight, so that's good. But is it time to worry about Luka breaking down? Because he suffered an early quarter ankle sprain last week against the Suns, causing to miss the Jazz game that they lost. He was potentially in doubt to miss the Piston game tonight, but he's going to go. But he already has missed six games so far this year, and he's a non-athletic 6-7 combo wing that weighs 230 pounds, he doesn't really take care of his body. And he's 23 years old. Is it time to be worried, Clem, about the cold, harsh reality that he may be wearing down right before our eyes, despite him not even reaching his prom yet? No, you know, I feel like all the points you just named, or listed, I should say, justifies why we shouldn't worry. I mean, he's 23. Okay. I think... You're using 6'7", 230 as a bad thing. I think it's kind of a good thing um, being that he's only 23 and I feel like he's just now learning how to, you know, take care of his body. Um, And then I think the the most important part is the six games he's missed. He's played 45 out of their 51 games so far. Um, So to me, that's – I mean, we're just looking at the MVP list, like – Outside of Jason Tatum, I think he's second among uh, with games played. So definitely not worried about him. I think this this happens to him every every year. There's like a little stretch where he you know misses some games, um, and it it seems his things like ankle injuries and things like that. But he's one of those guys like after every play he's like limping or he's like grimacing. So you never really know if he's really hurt or if it's like anything serious. Um, but he hasn't had any major injuries outside of the, the, I think it was another ankle injury, um, the start of the playoffs. But, um, I think most of his injuries have been things like, okay, well, we'll sit him out here, but it's not something where he can't play. It's just like, we just want him to rest more so he can be 100%. Um, I'm not worried about him at all. Honestly, I, I'm more worried about, um, his happiness in Dallas. There's been rumors about him you know, wanting a trade to happen and finding the co-star. Then um, Tim McMahon, I think, reported it. And 
uh, Mark Cuban made him walk back all the tweets and stuff. So uh, that was an interesting back and forth. But yet and still, I'm not worried about Luca. I'm I just hope that him, Christian Wood, and Dinwiddie. I think they need to make some trades to get a either a co-star. I just don't know who that guy would be. I think an OG Ananobi might be a potential good fit, but I just don't know what they have that the Raptors would be like, yeah, we would want that for an OG Ananobi, who's probably one of the most popular uh, trade assets this year. And then also, too, with just the fit, I think he's a great defender, but I I think he's a little bit of an overrated offensive player. I think you put him next to Luka, I think you would have to put a guy like a Christian Wood in a trade or something um, to get OG Ananobi. So I just don't like the fit. I don't like the fit with him and Levine. I just don't know who's a good player to pair with him that's actually available right now. Um, there's just not many, you know, co-stars that are 3 and D guys that, you know, will take that many possessions off to let Luka rock. So... <laughs> Um, I'm not worried about him. I just think he's going to eventually, you know, push Dallas to the brink to like, hey, do this or I'm leaving. Yeah, and those aspects are valid. And we're for sure going to tap into this during this segment. Uh, for me, my eyebrows are a little raised because last year in the playoffs, he didn't play early on against Utah because he got nicked up and he came back. Um, was able to finish that series, and then for the remainder of the playoffs, he never really missed a game. But seen the ankle, he got the shoulder, and the cold harsh reality is, he does not take care of his body well at all. Like he he doesn't. Um, he kind of plays his way in the basketball shape, and there's some guys that do that. Um, Shaq kind of used to do the same thing in his prime. Luca's one of those guys as well. Um, and at 23 years old, he does have a vet type body. But it's one of those situations where he's already said he doesn't see himself playing as long as LeBron. He kind of knows there's certain things internally that he's willing to do to be at the most pristine shape as a hooper. But it doesn't sound like he's willing to go to eight to nine yards. So I think his prime hasn't been reached yet. But I do think his prime is probably going to be age 25 to 29. And I think after that, that's where you might start to see a little decline. But his usage rate, bro, is crazy. It's 38.0. That's second behind Giannis. And they're not a good basketball team despite his insane usage rate as well. Um, and I don't think Dallas, bro, is in the business to sit him because yeah. they're a game above 500. So the fact that he missed time, um, not long periods of time, but he missed the game, is just showing that the wear and tear is starting to show. So he's not that athletic. All right? He doesn't really take care of his body that well. His usage rate is going to continue to be insane because he really doesn't have another ball handler alongside him outside of Dimwitty that could kind of give him some reprieve on that end. This is going to continue, and that's going to build up the gradual wear and tear. Um, Harden, when he was at his apex, kind of took care of his body pretty well. It wasn't until he intentionally stopped taking care of his body because he wanted out of Houston, right, that he started having those issues with the lower extremities, Luca's having that right now, and he's 23. So I think that's something to be kind of concerned about. As for the Mavs long-term with him, I don't really know who you can bring around Luca. that's a co-star that will work. I think OG Ananobi would not be a bad fit for that team, but he's not a co-star. He's a 3 and D guy. And I think they would appreciate somebody who can give you valid, you know, quality defense and give you potentially 10 to 15 a game. But um, they had Jalen Brunson, bro. They didn't want to pay him, you know? Yeah. And to be fair, when Jalen Brunson was there, he was underutilized because he kind of needs the ball in his hands as a lead guard to showcase his effectiveness. Porzingis needed as much touches as possible to showcase his effectiveness. So those two didn't work. And I don't really think the team he has right now is, so to speak, bad starting five-wise. I just feel like in comparison to the West, it's probably one of the worst playoff rosters in basketball. Um, so I think what Dallas is going to have to figure out moving forward is what can we surround around Luka that will get the best years out of him? Because they need to start thinking like how I kind of am. This guy is not going to be a Dirk Nowinski for us. He's not going to play 16 to 17 years where 12 to 13 are at a high level. It's not going to happen. 
you probably got a good nine to 10 years with Luka Doncic. So you need to maximize those good nine to 10 years you have because when they're gone, you don't want to be like, dang, in 10 years, we won five playoff series. That's not going to do anything productive for your franchise. So it worked out for Mark Cuban. You got your international superstar post Dirk. You're getting bread for you're competing. Everybody's got more of a national spotlight on that Dallas Mavericks market. You're not better than the Cowboys, but you're <laughs> in an NBA sense, an entertaining market nonetheless. Now it's time to create a winning program and a, have winning basketball in general. Because as of now, they're a game above 500. I don't really see them as of now, if the playoffs started today, winning a playoff series, which means for the third time in four years, Luka Doncic would be eliminated from the first round. And he wouldn't have the excuse this year of, oh, I played the Clippers. Maybe he would. I don't know. But he might get bounced by the Kings. Now, I would probably take him against the Kings because it's Luka versus the Kings. But I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. But, right, I would probably take him. Yeah. But... I would. We wouldn't be surprised if they lost. And the reason why they might lose is he doing everything. And eventually in the playoffs, we know how playoff defense is. We trap you, make everybody else beat you. Whether that's from three, make the extra pocket pass, things of that nature. So that's really my stance on Luka. I do have some concerns about him wearing down. And as great of a talent as he is, Dallas has to do a better job of surrounding him with talent because he's not the two-way superstar that LeBron was his first stint in Cleveland to where you can just be a defensive oriented squad and LeBron's greatness on both ends can get you 60 wins and get you to a conference finals once every three years. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the fact that he's only going to play it like at his peak till 29. I think in a way his, his growth is different. Um, I know a lot of guys, they start out really healthy and then they get, um, unhealthy just with age I think he's going to be kind of the opposite where he kind of grew up in a system in Slovenia playing where he didn't have to be in the best shape to be the best player on the floor um he admitted that he smoked cigarettes at the games and he had beers at the games and smoked hookah um so I think he's still learning the American culture and the NBA culture in a way and unfortunately but also, fortunately, in an oxymoron kind of way, he's still been one of the five best players in the league four out of his five years um, without having to be in the peak condition. But at, like, I, like you said, I think the older he gets, when it's not as easy to just snap back into shape, that's when he's going to start taking it more seriously. And I think... The more he loses, the more he gets humbled by the media and by seeing the guys around him start winning more championships. I think that's when he'll start to pipe down. And I can definitely see him, you know, being kind of like Jokic. When Jokic started, um, he was kind of like a big body guy. And over the last two or three years, he stopped, you know, eating the different things he had. He said he used to drink Coke all the time. Um, I could see him snapping back into a better shape, but it'll just be later in his career. So it's like a humbling experience, and I kind of felt that uh, about Luca on a play style front, but I think that could coincide with the health style front as well. Look, man, he's a top five talent. I don't know about him being a top five talent for the last five years, but he's for sure been a top five talent the last two. Um, And you don't want to see that go to waste because he's not really looking out for his well-being, and the team isn't either. Um, He's too good. And he's too talented for Dallas to be a game above 500 right now. That, uh, and I, I, we all understand that in the playoffs, you need more than just one guy to win a championship. But in the regular season, if you're a top 10 player, you, sh- you should be good enough to win 50 games. And I don't know if Dallas is going to win 50 games this year, bro. They might win 45, 46, 47, which isn't horrible. But it's a little bit humbling. It's a little bit concerning. And it does signify that. As great as he is, um, there's still deficiencies within his game. Not a great defender. And Dallas just hasn't done a really good job of surrounding the proper roster around him to compete in the West. And we all predicted coming into the season 
that they were probably going to be a fringe playing team because we knew the roster that they brought to the West was not going to be good enough. I said they got worse. You lose Brunson. All right. You yeah. add Wood. Wood's phenomenal as an offensive player, but he's a defensive liability. And Dimwitty replaces Brunson as your other primary ball handler. I like Dimwitty as a six man. I don't like him as a secondary decision maker. And here you are. You regress kind of how I thought you would. So that's some elements that they're going to have to figure out. It'll be interesting to see how they do so. But I, I saw the reports as well. They're going to try to find another star with Luka. I don't know who you could pair with him because he's going to need to play with somebody that doesn't need the ball. But they're also a top 10 player as well. And mm-hmm. that guy is Giannis, Durant, Jokic. They, they locked up, bro, like on their teams. Like, they're not going anywhere. So when I hear, yo, man, like, for a moment, man, he should get Kyrie. Bro, Kyrie need the ball. So yeah. that wouldn't work. <laughs> a lot. You know what I'm saying? These are a lot. Um, he, hey, Bradley Beal would be fun. Bradley Beal, young Bradley Beal would be perfect. But yeah. Bradley Beal, like he's mature. Kind of needs the ball to be productive. So these are all concerns that they have, and I'm interested to see how they figure it out. But um, that's it for the episode, episode six. We're going to wrap it up there. Um, But before we head out of here, things that we're intrigued about heading into this week in basketball. Um, Hey, man, I I know you was rooting. I know you was staying in Brooklyn, man. They couldn't do it. Hey, man, two dubs. Might be three. Might, might, be, might be three. You know what I'm saying? Might be three Look, dubs. They lose, they lose tonight and they're going to be the five seed. All right. <laughs> After being what they were, they were two at one point. They, were they two. dropped four, four seeds or three spots now. Three spots. If they lose tonight. Um, so I, I wouldn't really agree with that. But, and KD still got some time before he's back. So. There's still room for them to slide some more, but I, I think I think they'll, they'll they'll stop at five. Yeah, I think they'll probably stop at four or five. And Durant's come out and said he wants to play before the All Star break because he actually wants to play in the All Star game this year. So we'll see how that kind of figures itself out. Um, kind of risky, but hey, right. we're proud to him. Um, but everything else, like, what are you looking forward to heading into the new NBA week? This time. I am looking forward to Phoenix and um, the Pelicans. Obviously, my two favorite teams. Um, but Pelicans have been sliding down, um, lost eight in a row. And Phoenix was on a similar trend like not that long ago. So they both were. teams are on their way to getting their best players back, Zion and Booker. Um, Jay Crowder is getting ready to be traded, hopefully. Um, in the next two weeks, and Cam Johnson's back. He's he's helped them a bit already, and Brandon Ingram just came back too. He hasn't been playing up to par, but you know he's he's getting his feet wet. He's only played about seventeen games so far this season, so it's going to take some time. But really anxious to see where those teams uh, end up in the next three to four weeks because earlier in the season they were the Memphis and Denver, you know, to start. But uh, with the injuries and everything, they've they've uh, knocked back. And then two other teams. I'm really uh, Clippers and, and the Wolves. You know, I think we both had the Wolves in our top four to start the year for the West. We so did. We did. Very interesting to see them sneaking to the top five. And then the Clips. Kawhi has been playing like Kawhi. Um, yeah, man. It's it's a it's finally starting to pick up and look like what we thought the West were going to be like. So interesting and exciting um, to see where the season goes in the next two to three weeks. I agree. I agree. I'm excited about where the Clippers and the Wolves go from here. They kind of have been getting their stuff together the past two weeks. Kawhi's been playing at an all NBA level for a minute. So that's very promising. Um, Wolves, Anthony Edwards, D'Lo, they finally figured it out. You know, stop whining about Gobert clogging the lane and just be better playmakers and better three-level scorers. And since they've done that, they've won more games. And now what will be the interesting caveat is I expect Carl Anthony Towns to probably be back after the All-Star break. How does he fit in? Because it's going to be important. Does he come back in a more different role? Because now Anthony Edwards, he's officially the best player on the team. He's had to be, you know, because Towns has been out. And so now with Towns back, is Towns willing to, revise his game and 
step into more of a Robin role as his team kind of excels moving forward. And then in the Eastern Conference, just trying to gauge where Milwaukee's going. You know, Giannis is back. Chris Middleton is slowly getting back in there. Milwaukee's trying to make that push to be one of that top two to three teams in the East. How legit are they? I know they've been involved in the Jay Crowder sweepstakes. Um, They're trying to offload Grayson Allen. So they're basically saying they need another wing so that they can potentially bring off the bench to where when Giannis isn't on the floor, there's not a substantial drop off defensively. So intrigued about that. But a lot of NBA insight and topic to really tune into this week. So we can bring you to you guys more updated topics for next week.